Welcome to the Employee Onboarding Podcast, the only place to learn from the world's leading people operators on how to craft a magical onboarding experience. This podcast is brought to you by Process Street, the AI-powered platform that revolutionizes how HR teams design, manage, and automate their most vital processes. Craft memorable employee experiences, cultivate company culture, and significantly reduce turnover with Process Street. Sign up for a free account at www.process.st. Join thousands of iconic people teams in companies like Salesforce, MIT, and Accenture that trust Process Street for all their people processes. Welcome to the Employee Onboarding Podcast. We're unpacking great onboarding ideas and best practices from the world's top HR practitioners and thought leaders. At Process Street, that starts with our mission to make recurring work fun, fast, and faultless for teams everywhere. My name is Erin Rice, and I'm the People and Operations Coordinator here at Process Street. Today, I'm joined by Max Schur. Max is the founder and CEO of the Schur Agency. He started his agency as a freshman in college. At first, he provided any imaginable marketing services to every imaginable customer set until he realized the value of specialization about three years into the process. At that point, his business became completely unsustainable, so he started over from mostly scratch. Since then, he's been dedicated solely to creating awesome websites that move the needle in his clients' businesses. When he's not making websites with his team, he is a design and business TikToker, a digital nomad hopping from city to city with his girlfriend, and an amateur guitar player. Thank you so much for joining us today, Max. Thanks, Aaron. Happy to be here. So before we dive in, I really like this idea of digital nomadacy, if you will. I'm very curious for our sort of icebreaker question, is there one item or one thing that you just simply can't get rid of? Like a physical item? Like a physical item. I would imagine being a digital nomad, you don't have a lot of stuff. I don't. I, You know, for me, my biggest, most inefficient thing that I bring with me everywhere is music equipment. Like guitars and amplifiers are definitely the thing that I am questioning whether or not I really need to be bringing with me to every location. But the answer has 10 out of 10 times been yes, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I guess that goes with your your new love of playing guitar. Yeah, well, it's not that new. I've been playing for since I was a kid. Oh, okay. So you yeah. just call yourself an amateur because you're not that good yet. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe never will be. I, uh, <laughs> just a, It's just a hobby, really a good way to, to kill time and relieve stress. Yeah, that's great. Awesome. So what we really came here for, employee onboarding. So Max, why don't you tell me a little bit about the dynamic of your company? You know, how many people you have, how you're distributed, that kind of thing. Yeah, so we're a globally distributed company. I think there's currently something in the neighborhood of 25 people involved. So not a huge company, but definitely bigger than I've ever managed before. Um, we're 100% remote. No two of us have ever met in person. Um, I think we're on you know every continent except for Antarctica. Uh, I think that's that's probably the, the the gist of the distribution of the team. All almost everybody is involved in the creation or management of websites in some way. We've got a, a little bit of, of support on the marketing side as well. Um, management of the team, we've got a couple people who do that. But really, that's that's the, the bread and butter of the company is, is the fulfillment side. Okay, great. And tell me a little bit about how you ended up starting your own business. So I was, I was 18 years old and I was at a coffee shop, hookah lounge kind of hybrid thing. And uh, 
the the owner knew me. I had been in there quite a bit. I was when I was a high school student, and I was just about to leave for college. I grew up in Las Vegas, so this is, this all takes place in Vegas. And he comes up to me and he's like, "Hey, you're a computer guy, right?" He sees me on a computer doing homework all the time. I'm like, "Yeah, I'm I'm a computer guy." He says, "I'm starting a grocery store, and I need I need a website built for that grocery store that does delivery and all this. Can you do that?" And in my head, I'd never touched a website before. I, I didn't know anything about it, but I thought, you know, there's got to be templates. There's got to be some way to do it. I'm sure I can help this guy. It can't be that hard. So I said, sure, screw it. I'll, I'll take a stab at it. And uh, uh, one thing led to the uh, to the next. And I decided that in order to write a contract, I had to be a company. And little did I know as an 18-year-old, I could have just, just done it as a freelancer. But I started an agency in an effort to fulfill for this guy. Turns out, now that I have, you know, eight, nine years of web design under my belt, grocery store websites are insanely hard. They're really big projects. I should have <laughs> I should have charged something in the neighborhood of 30 to 40 times what I charged this guy. But I had no idea, no experience, so I shouldn't have. Uh, but I accepted the contract, took a stab at it. Uh, actually, I started by trying to, to hire someone to do it for me with his security deposit. That didn't work. So then I ended up having to do it myself because suddenly this I, I've lost the money. I don't have anyone to hire anybody else. Uh, but I need to learn how to make websites because I need to build this. So I tried to do it, failed, refunded him his security deposit. So I was out that money, uh, but I almost learned how to make websites and thus a business was born. I started just doing other things for other businesses. And, you know, I had some design knowledge from high school because uh, I, I had kind of a an emphasis on that in high school. And and throughout that time, I, I was I, I learned how to cold call, how to you know, cold DM, all these things that I was trying to do to build my build my business. And I kind of got good at acquiring clients. And that kind of grew into an agency. And so then you get to this point where you're ready to now hire legitimate employees. <laughs> yes, legitimate is the emphasis <laughs> on this. People awesome. who know what they're doing. <laughs> right, exactly. And then we're probably like, yeah, yeah, and no shade on that developer that I that I hired way back then. If if I don't I don't remember her name unfortunately, but it's not your fault. You knew more than I did. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me a little bit about what that experience was like going from you know an owner of a self employed business to hiring employees. How did you tackle that? I was winging it for sure. A common thread here in in all of my stories. I was winging it, and I figured you know. I've got these specific tasks that are taking more time than I think that they're worth for me. So I'm going to hire someone to do them for me. But what was really challenging at the start was I didn't really know. There was no standardization in my business. One client would come to us for social media management. One would come to us for web design. One would come to us for logo design. So I kind of needed to just hire some jack of all trades. Thankfully, I just got super lucky and I hired this really smart guy. Uh, His name was Andrew. And uh, he, we ended up just kind of becoming this two-person team that was really just cranking out all this stuff and we were learning together and all that. But the hiring process was more or less, I think I posted a job on LinkedIn. We did an interview. And I'm like, sure, let's do it. <laughs> that, was, <laughs> that, was, that was pretty much how it went. Sounds like you're kind of go with your gut guy. <laughs> <laughs> less so now, but yeah, when I was yeah. 18, you bet. <laughs> awesome. And so what sort of led you to the point of going from like one-off projects, one-off kind of uh, employee onboarding to turning it into a process and making it more like of a recurrent situation? So that didn't happen until several years later when I realized, I, I read this great book called Built to Sell. Uh, and that really 
taught me the like what the the root of all my problems was, which was a lack of standardization and a lack of processes. And I couldn't write processes because I was doing a different thing for every person. And once I got to the point where I, I kind of restarted my business, as you said in the intro, uh, about three years in, and and really built it from scratch around one service. And then from there, you know, once I got to the point where I had five team members, six team members, and we were constantly bringing on freelancers to assist with individual projects. Then I was like, okay, we're teaching the same set of lessons over and over again as we go in like a role specific context. Like whenever we bring in a new freelancer to help us. And I'm not talking about my core team at this point, just, just freelancers and contractors. Um, and we're spending an inordinate amount of time teaching people how to find our Google drive, how to find our, our Slack. So it was really a selfish thing at the start. It was, I am spending too much time on this. I'm going to write it in a checklist. And this is before I knew about great tools like Process Street. Um, but I, I think I did it in like a spreadsheet or a Google Doc with, with checkboxes. And it was just like, hey, before you start work tomorrow, like go through this. And that was, that was kind of the gist. We had one for developers and we had one for everybody. And what did you feel like that was missing? Do you feel like there was a disconnect between like your mission as a company and that individual employee coming on? I don't think I was sophisticated enough at that time to to put, not that I'm very sophisticated now, but I don't think I, I definitely wasn't when I was 20 years old to be able to say, you know, I feel like our mission, we're not mission oriented, we're, we're not teaching the values that we that we espouse as a company. Um, I think at that point, it was it was critical. It was basically just like, hey, we're hanging on by our by the seam of our pants here. Like we're really just trying to get by and get meet these deadlines. So we're giving you exactly what we can and as efficient as possible. And if you need more than that, it's going to be one on one communication. Yeah. So what would you say a great employee onboarding experience looks like? You know, I I would never go so far as to claim that I'm an expert on that subject. But what I would tell you is what works for me. What, what's worked for my business and what, what people who are onboarded have been really impressed by is to really over-deliver on, on the onboarding experience. Like for us, our, we, we now use Process Street for this. Our onboarding checklist is, I think, like 17 or 18. Just You have to read this and confirm. Like read this and confirm and like set up your account. And it's it's... It's almost an overload, but it's not because it also gives them a place to go get the information later. And that's really what I think the purpose of the exercise is. It's it's not, I expect you to retain all of this information immediately. It's, okay, I now know that I can come back and find out how to find the files that I need in Google Drive or how to view my pay stubs and, and things like that. What's really been beneficial to us going forward and what I noticed a measurable, di- a measurable difference in, uh, we now start by having people watch some recordings of all hands meetings. Like, Hey, here's the all hands meeting where we discuss, you know, company shout outs based on our core values. Like that's really helpful for us because it's, it's, it sounds like corporate jargon and nonsense, but actually what I, I found it's quite helpful because people see, okay, this is what gets me recognized in this company, this type of behavior. And it's, it's really, you know, those underlying principles are there. And if you don't teach them right away, you're kind of hoping that people guess them and, and that's not fair to them. So that's, that's, that's one thing that I find is really useful. Two other things that I'd say we, we do a good job of teaching quickly is kind of our standards for remote work, um, what that means and like what, what kind of time tracking are you paid based on and what's more for like client billables. So it's like, 
things to the effect of, hey, we expect X, Y, and Z hours from you per day, and you need to track them here. And it's things like that, that if you're not used to a remote environment, it kind of helps get you acclimated quite quickly to to how that works. And then the third thing is it kind of like gives them permission to set boundaries in their, in their work. So we, like I mentioned at the beginning here, we have people all over the world sending messages to each other and the time zones don't always line up. So if I've got someone in Nigeria sending messages to someone in Los Angeles, the, they're going to be getting messages in the middle of the night. So one of the things that I have them do is I have them click a box that says, hey, I confirm that I understand that I am not required to respond to messages that come in in the middle of the night. I have working hours and I understand that I am to, like, I have authority to, to enforce and set those boundaries. And I think that's been a source of positive culture for our company. Oh, I bet. Because it's so annoying when those Slack messages come in while you're trying to like get your kids settled or during dinner and you're like, how important is this? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think I have seen it, but I, I someone told me that someone went into that process and added something that says like, here's how you set your notifications to snooze during your off hours so they don't bug you. It's it's helpful. Yeah. You can also integrate uh, your Google Calendar with your working hours into your Slack so it does it for you automatically. Oh, I didn't know that. Really? so fancy. I love a good automation. (laughs) Me too. That's cool. It's time for a quick intermission to appreciate our sponsor, Process Street. Want to build beautiful, engaging, and efficient employee onboarding processes? Looking to streamline your HR processes into wonderful AI-powered workflows? Look no further than Process Street. Just like Cargill, Colliers, and Hartford Healthcare, you too can trust Process Street with your key people processes. Visit www.process.st today. So tell me a little bit about how you approach uh, new hires and their onboarding process in order to get them like up to speed and contributing quickly. Yeah, so there's that big checklist that I just talked about that we go through. Then people have a role-specific checklist that they go through. So this is for positions that we're hiring regularly, like new designers, new developers, new account managers, things that scale with our fulfillment. Um, For those types of people, we have a role-specific process street that they go through. And it's like, okay, here are, um, here's what success looks like in your job. We give them like a literal rubric um, for for like what A-level, B-level, and C-level performance looks like. Here's what you, where you go to get your daily tasks. Here's, you know, all the stuff, really what we're trying to do here is reduce anxiety. And in my opinion, one of my, one of my beliefs as a business owner is that anxiety primarily comes from ambiguity. And if you can, if you can limit ambiguity in someone's role and how they're going to be evaluated and how they can succeed, you're off to a good start. Even if you're overwhelming them a little bit with information, that's, that's common feedback we get is that we we do overwhelm people a little bit. They're not stressed out in the sense of they don't know what to, what, what to do. I don't, I don't get that feedback super often. Um, Another thing that is absolutely critical is direct one-on-one communication with somebody. So oftentimes when we're onboarding someone, I'll message someone who's either in a role very similar to theirs in another department or in the same role and have them message them and kind of be their onboarding buddy. Not, we don't have a formal system for this, but it's, it's something we, we just tend to do. If we hire a new developer, we'll get the next most recent developer, the one who's been there for six months maybe and say, Hey, go have a conversation with this person, make sure they feel welcome, ask them about their day, like, you know, check in on them and make sure that they're finding what they need. I'll, I'll typically ask someone 
I, tr I try to ask the friendlier, more agreeable people <laughs> to go make, make that introduction and make people feel welcome. Yeah, that's great. Buddies are awesome. And um, I imagine at the size of your company, are you managing all the employees and doing one-on-ones with them? Or do you have sort of like a hierarchy in place now? We have a we have a hierarchy in place. I have an operations director who really oversees all team and fulfillment of the company. Okay, cool. And so I would imagine having, well, I know having an onboarding buddy that's not your direct manager is often very helpful because we can say all day that questions aren't stupid, but we believe they are anyway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think I think it it also helps to alleviate some of that anxiety to have yeah. a person to ask. Yeah, that's great. Um, so tell me, we talked a little bit about like guiding principles and missions earlier. Tell me, do you have a set sort of mission that you share with the team and how do you help them sort of buy into that? I wouldn't say we have a mission statement types type of of thing what we do have is guiding principles that we use to to guide our behavior in the way that we work with clients we've just basically got these six pillars that are you know we kind of try to do shout outs for people based on their adherence to them or being good examples of them uh, and that's that's really how we enforce the kinds of behaviors that we want to see in, in the company um, in terms of a mission Nah, I don't have anything. I got nothing for that. Sorry. Yeah. No, that's okay. That's all right. What advice would you give somebody on their first day to sort of help them, you know, absorb all the information, not get overwhelmed, ignore the ambiguity, that kind of thing? More so than memorizing exactly what everything says, just kind of remember where you found everything and maybe bookmark the, the documents and just kind of come back to it over time. It's something that You'll, you'll be exposed to it once and then you'll remember where you saw it and you'll come back and you'll get it again. You know, I always tell people that the best onboarding is to start the job. Really, like you learn the most by doing and we try and give you all this information up front. But I really don't believe that there's any cure for for learning other than doing. I don't, I don't think there's a solution to learning other than doing. Um, yep. I think, that was, I think that was end of thought and I just kept talking. That's okay. <laughs> How long would you say it takes uh, a new person to sort of ramp and like be completed onboarding? We don't let them start actual work until usually about the third day. Usually the first two days are, you know, for day one, you're going through kind of company specific processes and all that stuff. Day two, you're doing role specific processes, things that are more about about your job specifically, meeting with your manager, meeting with colleagues, things like that. And then day three, you're actually implementing it and, and you, you start under a supervised capacity actually contributing. Okay. So you mentioned you all use process street workflows for your onboarding. Yeah. Um, how do you have it organized? Is it like organized by day one? Is it just get through this over the first two days? How is it organized? Yeah, it's, it's really only two process street workflows that they'll go through. One is the general, two is the role specific, and it's organized into tasks based on just topic is, is really oh. all that it is. Okay, cool. That's awesome. Um, so looking to the future, I'm sure your intention is to grow your company. Yes. Um, do you see the processes that you have in place as scalable that you would be able to then hire, you know, 10 web developers at once? Yeah, I do. I think they're they're pretty scalable. We we don't really change them super often. It's only when we adopt a new software or something something like that. 
it could be a little overwhelming on the lead developer to, to manage 10 onboarding processes and, and give the support and one-on-one care that is needed to succeed there. Um, but from a process standpoint, I do think we're there. I think we just need a little bit more manpower. Yeah. Okay. And so then I have to ask, what do you see as the future of employee onboarding? That's a tough question to answer. My gut tells me to go with the probably cliche answer of you're probably going to have like an AI chatbot that helps you understand what your role is and kind of grades, kind of does a, a quiz and grading quiz type of interaction. So I can imagine um, training a customer service rep like, hey, what would you say if a client says this and kind of doing role play scenarios with an AI bot. I could see things like that for, for training purposes, for onboarding I don't know if anybody would really feel great about having an AI coach come in and tell them they're doing a great job. I think you kind of still need a person um, for now, at least. Maybe maybe our beliefs on this will change over time. But that, that's really the only future projection I see is just an implementation of AI because that just seems to be implemented in everything today. Yeah, absolutely. And now I think you can like do AI videos where they take like a replica of your your face and they make you talk. And we talk a little bit about that. And is that the future of like training? And it's like, well, I sure hope not. <laughs> I still want to have like a real conversation with every person that joins our company. You right. Know? And I'm also not sure that that's better than the current situation, right? Like I, our process streets are full of Loom videos from me and other people on the team. I don't, sh- I don't know that an AI, if I typed the script rather than saying it, would really save me that much time. Maybe if I needed to reshoot something, it would save me a few minutes to edit the script. But I don't know. My Loom videos are usually like 10 minutes or fewer, so I can just re-record it. Yeah, that's cool. Awesome. So I don't want to take up too much of your time, but last question, what do you feel, and this doesn't necessarily have to be related to your company, but what do you feel is something that companies can do to create that wow moment to help employees get buy-in early? I think the wow that that employees are looking for when they join a company is not so much, wow, I'm impressed. I think that's what you want from your customers, maybe. But I think from employees, my mentality has always been is, wow, I really understand what I need to be doing here. I thought I was, you know, joining this small company. I thought it would be really, I'd be winging it more than I actually have to. There's a system in place and I can follow it. And that's, that's the degree to which I try and impress new hires. I'd like them to just really feel secure and understanding exactly what they want, that what they need to do and, and what success looks like for them. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much, Max. I really appreciate you joining us today. This has been so great. I wrote lots of notes of things that I want to share with my team. Um, so yeah, I hope you have a great rest of the day. Thanks, Aaron. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Employee Onboarding Podcast brought to you by Process Street. If this discussion ignited a spark to revolutionize your HR processes, why not give Process Street a shot? It's a no-code platform trusted by thousands of teams around the world, large and small, including powerhouses like Salesforce. Visit www.process.st to sign up for a free trial and embark on a journey to efficient, powerful workflows.